something that I was gonna say like a second ago. If I can just Jesus fucking up. No. Okay. I mean, I can hear you right now if that's what you were asking. But I don't hear you no, talking see, with your mic. <laughs> I uh, just uh, we haven't gotten the XLR cable. Yeah situation figured out so um <laughs> it is sort of a, a whole ordeal right now and uh you couldn't hear it but i just heard what sounded like hundreds of tiny electrodes firing in in the brain and scratching uh on my nerves sort of like in the similar sense uh, of like a, a nail on chalkboard oh we do so, love that yeah but the thing that i really wanted to get down to the meat of it is how are you doing because every time that we meet and anytime anyone meets during this fucking time, it feels like you have to ask. It's like I obligatory. mean, I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I'm not terrible right now. Honestly, things have been worse. Things have been better, but I'm getting yeah. by. My Instagram page is filling me with light and hope. So, Oh my God, your Instagram page is so cool, man. <laughs> it's literally like, and the fact that you're, you're making something and you're creating something and you're doing something is filling me with like a sort of, creative inspirational vibe too so i've been like really trying to hammer out and try to uh do more creatively while i'm trapped here at home that's uh, that's my goal and it's been it's been well received by the community and people love it so like <laughs> uh if you uh have not seen it before can you please explain it oh yeah it is uh it's an instagram page called in love with soul ring in which i talk about my relationship with my wonderful card soul ring from magic the gathering it's a wonderful card and i fully wish you the best in your marriage because i, I think that it will go and be long lasting <laughs> it it has been a ton of fun and it's like it's so weird and odd but like charming and endearing at the same time <laughs> and uh, inspired a little bit by a uh, another creator who I uh, I showed you recently, and uh, I really adore his work as well. Yes, Alec Robbins, Mister Boop, which I bought both of the comics for and have been reading now. Yes, yes, another convert. I <laughs> uh, have bought and also have signed copies just sitting here over on my shelf. Uh, it, it is an amazing web comic that has been the light of my life in 2020. It's a uh, a good thing in a sea of awful. Shout out to postmodernism. Shout out to postmodernism and dating things that don't exist. <laughs> that, actually, no, sorry, they do exist. Uh, they totally exist and they're real. Yes, I mean, just the collective belief and, and interaction with it makes it exist to some capacity, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Some guy can, like, marry a tree or, like, inanimate objects or whatever in, like, Vegas, then we can fucking do that. Hell yeah. Well, should we get into this? Yeah, let's just jump right into it. All right. Well, uh, this week's games of this month are... Oh, wait. Hold on. We're skipping something. What do you mean? We skipped something. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. Did, did we forget the B-roll banter? No, that's what we just did. What do you mean? Hi, I'm Johnny Bartlett. I'm one of your hosts for this oh, Bundle Bourgeoisie. <laughs> Oh my god, dude, I can't believe it. I can't believe we forgot. This is such an utter disaster. My name is David Baxter, and I am the, the co-host of this podcast. And I... this month's games, this week's games for this month are... 
Little Big Workshop. Atama Chef. Vampire. Through the Darkest of Times. The Coma 2, Vicious Sisters. Genesis Alpha 1, The Deluxe Edition. Oh, and then we got some extras after that. I hope you're excited for those. That's going to be a little surprise. Yeah. It's a little fortune inside this cookie. Yeah, but uh, cookies are meant to be broken open, especially fortune cookies. So let's break into this bad boy. You start us off whenever you're ready. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was just hoping that you'd give some sort of an affirmation there, and instead we stood in just complete disparate science. I, I thought you would say something like, yeah, let's just jump into it, or, or like, like some, some kind of affirmation. But no, never mind. Little Big Workshop uh, was developed by Mirage Game Studios. Uh, they have not developed any other games, to my knowledge. I went to their page, and it was like, this is our game. This is our team. We work with THQ Nordic. Hi. Uh, which, I don't think, do they exist anymore? I hope they exist. I know the THQ went bankrupt. Anyway, uh, this is a game where you manage a workshop full of tiny tabletop industrialist laborers. Uh, you basically have, like, a, a little tiny workshop, and you just, uh, have this, like, one little level that you can repeat over and over again. You can skip the tutorial after the first time that you've done it. Uh, at least I would recommend doing that. Uh, and... It's really just all about getting to know the workflow of producing several different kinds of products, whether it's like rubber duckies or uh, hose and iron tools and like, uh, I don't know, like tables and chairs and stuff like that. And then eventually you work up to more complicated things like cell phones and stuff like that. Uh, and that way it is similar to a game that we covered a while ago called Rise of Industry. Uh, but whereas that game felt kind of divorced from the human labor aspect of things, this game felt very in touch with that. Uh, you have a whole bunch of cute, adorable little minions running around uh, doing all of your bidding. And it's all about optimizing their productivity while they're working. So it has some simulation aspects some management aspects and some building aspects as well once you unlock uh, more different... Uh, areas that you can kind of expand out into but then also just the placement of your different workshops and the zones that they have to place uh, finished objects it takes a lot of thought and strategy and i definitely wasn't perfect the first time that i did it i had to restart and try again uh have you ever played any of these kind of games johnny i have not not really yeah they're not like a genre that either of us are really super into so it was kind of one of those that we had to sort of be like all right, uh, I'll take this one, you take that one, sort of a thing, which we have the next one of those coming up next, but... <laughs> Is that the segue? No, not 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 yet. I, I have a little bit more to say about <laughs> okay, this. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, did I just miss that segue? No, 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 no. Uh, the, the next game that we're talking about is Atama Chef, and just to say that, like, that game and this game, they're both, like, sort of management simulation games, and so they were both sort of the, these games that we were like, I don't know, we gotta, I'll take one, you take the other, because uh, we're not huge into them. So there's, like, cute characters that you can interact with, and you have to rank up in levels by uh, accomplishing certain stretch goals, sort of like in a Kickstarter, you just have to accomplish the goals, and then you can move up the next rank. There, there is one more thing. Uh, brain slugs infected my workers at one point, that was weird. It, it was like they just they was right around when I stopped making money and 
uh one of them just infected my dudes and he would just endlessly like pop them out and carry them around and then throw them away repeatedly and it, it was like watching alien on repeat over and over again and then i also got the making people collapse achievement by being a horrible boss on stream uh <laughs> and that was pretty fun so uh i'd say that for people who are interested in sim titles and managing and crafting tree type games this is probably a good game for you but this wasn't really my jam nor was it i think probably would it have been johnny's jam either just because this isn't really our type of game but i'm still glad to have tried it uh, i think it it was a fun little experience now uh the next game here i already talked about it a little bit it is automa chef why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about it yeah, uh, Atama Chef is a game from Hermes Interactive, who did Winds of Trade and are currently developing Power to the People, which is like an interesting power uh, resource management uh, game. Uh, it, it looks pretty interesting. I'm excited to see it. Uh, Atama oh. Chef is a it's a pseudo programming game like the Zachatronics games we've covered in the past. You're doing a lot of like laying down assembly lines and then programming the machines to like dispense a burger ingredient, put the ingredient on a grill, move the ingredient from the grill to the processor, process the food, and then ship it out to to be ordered. So it's 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 another uh, like pseudo quasi programming game that that's really focused on the assembly and building of food. Uh, it's it's really interesting in the way that it differs from the Zachatronics games in that it's like it's a lot easier to get into. The mechanics are super boiled down. It's every machine has a single function, and then all of the functions are carried out through conveyor belts. So it's a very very visual way to look at coding, which I absolutely loved about the game. That's actually something that I I really like when games do when they they make coding more accessible to people. Exactly. Like everything, everything was a single, like you had, you had or gates, which were simply just, uh, uh, like robotic arms. And, and the gate of it was to like either grab this thing or grab that thing and put it here. You know, everything had uh, one line of programming basically that you could do for it. And that one line of programming corresponded to an ingredient at some capacity, basically. So I, I thought it was a really simple way at looking looking at programming, even though there, it was still really complex and had a lot of depth in what you could do with it. How do you uh, how do you think it compares to Zachtronics games? Um, well, the, from from a standpoint of like gameplay, it's a lot easier than the Zachtronics games. Like way easier, honestly. Huh. Uh, most of the management comes less from like the coding and more about managing the space as efficiently as possible because you're actually like ranked on your efficiency and how much power you use because of you know you're you're creating a a restaurant and a and a kitchen and you have to do things efficiently. So it was really interesting in that sense. And then in, in like the idea of themes and story, there, there wasn't nearly as much depth as there was in the Zachtronic games. Uh, you get like these brief ideas of you're working for a robot who's pretending to be a human who at some point is going to do something dastardly to the humans uh, as soon as you get enough customers and clout as a restaurant, it seems. But I, I did not get far enough to see what that damage is going to be or what sort of role this automation is going to play in humanity and, and the sort of, like, decline and the takeover and stuff. So 
I, I didn't get that far in, but the story was a lot more surface level of the themes that Zaktronics really dove into in his games. Okay, so it's kind of like Zaktronics Light. If you wanted to maybe get into these sort of coding-based games, this might be a good one to start out. Absolutely. Like, I, if you are interested in Zaktronics games and, and learning, like, quasi-programming and how it works and stuff, this is the game to start with, I think. Like, it's very easy. It's very not, like, very easy, but it's easy enough that it doesn't feel frustrating or too challenging. Everything is super visual, so you don't feel overwhelmed. It's always a matter of, like, oh, I just need to add another dispenser or, or I just need to add another track going somewhere differently. So... It really makes you visualize things in a different way. Then you can carry those ideas over to the Zaktronics games. Uh, I would ask, this does teach you programmer logic, but uh, yes. does it teach you any programming language? No, it has like, this game has absolutely no syntax and no typing involved. It's it's all literally just like drop down menus. So it's like you put a dispenser down and you click the drop down menu and click on buns. And then like you put a, a robotic arm down and you click the drop down menu and you click uh, cooked meat. So it'll pull the cooked meat off the grill and put it back on the conveyor belt. So it's it's not actual programming language. It's it's 100% visual. You're You're using ingredients instead of words. Creating delicious Rube Goldbergs. Exactly. It's ha Rube Hamburger Machines. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely recommend the game as an entry point to these, like, quasi-programming games. I, I have found immense joy in them now that I've started playing them. It's something I never would have thought I, a genre I would have enjoyed, like, a year ago. But it, definitely check it out where you can. Just love taking a big bite out of these games, huh, don't you? Yeah, I just, I suck up everything they've got. Yeah, you just, you just, just, you just, nip, just nip every little bit of it up. Like a little programming vampire. Oh, you said the V word. <laughs> the next game is Vampire, or Vampire? Uh, I guess it's based on however you want to pronounce it. Apparently the old, like, pronunciation is, like, Vampire when, when it's spelled like that. But you can also just say it vampire. The, the devs just do it interchangeably. Uh, so it's developed by Don't Not Entertainment. Uh, and they have made games that you probably have heard of, such as uh, Life is Strange and Remember Me. Uh, this is a game, though, where you play as a doctor slash vampire. Who would have guessed? In 1920s London, fresh from World War I, you were a soldier. Uh, and you were witnessing a city suffering from the Spanish flu epidemic. And you have to take the fate of the city into your hands as sort of the, the, the maestro of people's life and death. Everything is built around this mesmerized mechanic that you get, uh, that you can lead any citizen once you're a high enough point in the story to any dark alleyway alone where you can feast on them for their XP. Uh, and the game really wants you to, like, take care of the citizens of London, keeping them medicated, completing their quests, but mainly just so that you can increase the value of their XP blood, baby. Get more XP out of them delicious, delicious NPCs. Uh, some reviewers do claim that you can get through the whole game without having to, like, sacrifice anyone or harvest anyone. Uh, but apparently it does get more interesting when you do... I'm trying to do a playthrough where I can get through without having to, you know, do anything but 
apparently this game really wants you to be a bad boy struggling with moral dilemmas of, of eating people and kind of having to pick and choose who you think in society is like the most undeserving of life and okay to eat i guess <laughs> it dives into some interesting uh moral ethics of that because i mean there are some people that are like legitimately awful people right like like clay cox who is the leader of a gang called the wet boot boys and you meet him like right away he just stabs a guy and then tosses him off a bridge and then you meet him and you can just you have the option to eat him right away it's like one of the first people that you can eat in the game but it's that whole uh ethics conversation of if you murder a murderer you still have the same number of murderers in the world exactly there's still a murder hanging out there a and uh this is kind of going into a little bit more of the combat but it also seems like uh there's a little bit of a disconnect in terms of the story where like you are this doctor who's in charge of keeping everybody safe and alive uh but also if you find any hunters in the street who are vampire hunters and they see you walking around and they uh get in your way then you can just kill them mercilessly and there's no like morality kind of reflecting that as like a negative action you can just kill those people mercilessly. And you can also kill all of, like, the skulls, or what they're called, which are basically just, like, ghoul vampire people. It's the Uncharted problem. Yeah, it is the Uncharted problem, where it's like, you're a cool, badass hero, uh, saving a bunch of people and doing the right thing, uh, sometimes being a bad boy, but also you kill thousands of people. So there's a bit of a, a narrative uh, gameplay disconnect there. But it's not heavy enough to make me not enjoy the game. Uh, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, I really enjoyed this game, honestly. Uh, the, the combat is a little basic, though. It's basically like Bloodborne light. Uh, if you've never played Bloodborne or like a Dark Souls game, uh, there is basic stamina, health, and another meter mechanic where you just have to like manage them while dodging, uh, you know, actions like swinging your weapon take uh a little bit of stamina away and in this game blood is the unique meter uh it can be regained by using specific weapons or stunning the enemy and then nibbling into them biting them to regain blood uh and you can also just bite like animals in the street i'm pretty sure that rats are the only animals that you run into but i ate a lot of rats in my playthrough and my character complained a lot, but I did not care because it was a lot of free healing, and I needed the healing. Uh, so my character just has to deal. So I have a quick question about Bloodborne Light gameplay. Yeah. Does that mean it's more like the sort of Arkham Knight-style combo-oriented uh, gameplay, where it's like tapping a button uh, unleashes like an attack and you, you combo through by tapping the button over and over again? Or is it sort of like Assassin's Creed where there's that sort of like locky mechanism, but you're still like actively dodging and swinging? That's a, a good comparison to make because uh, there is like a lock-on mechanism uh, where you can lock on to characters and kind of swing around them. There is an auto lock, but I kind of turned it off immediately because I think it sucks. Basically, every uh, weapon or combination that you have out has, like, a basic uh, attack and then, like, another version of an attack. Either it's, like, uh, in one hand you have, like, uh, a sword or something, and then you have a stake in the other hand or a gun in the other hand, uh, where the stake is used to stun people so you can bite them, uh, where the gun is used to just do straight damage, potentially from a distance. Uh, but there's also the shotgun, which just does a ton of damage from close range and a little bit of stun. Okay. 
So there, there's kind of like a, a balance of like you're constantly switching between weapons. There's also two-handed weapons that you can get that like one of them that I used that I really dug was this two-handed club that done, that did stun every time I did a hit and then also had a parry ability. Um, so in that sense, it's not just mashing buttons and then like hitting the parry button when you see a little thing light up above yeah. somebody. You're actually having to like watch the animations and track them and kind of follow them and then dodge around them. Uh, it's nothing that I haven't seen done before and done better before, but it is completely serviceable, and it's not like it is intrusive, because most of this game you're going to be talking to people. I I wrote 50% combat, 50% dialogue. I think it's more like 70% dialogue, 30% combat in a lot of cases. This game is about talking to people and about learning about all the different interrelations of people and, and how they they interact. Because one of your abilities as a vampire is this sort of interrogation thing where you can uh, press somebody on a fact that you know is true. And then your vampire powers cause them to always answer truthfully. I cast Zone of Truth. Yeah, it's really funny when, like, it doesn't work, though, and the reasons why it doesn't work, like, somebody is mute, and, like, they can't respond to you, uh, or somebody is drunk, and so they don't remember, like, <laughs> things like that. That's a good way to put a way to combat sort of, like, a catch-all, undefeatable power. Yeah, so I, I really do like the way that it's implemented. Uh, and I really enjoy just exploring the city and solving people's problems and medicating them and, and crafting the medications that they need. Uh, it's all a lot of fun, honestly. Uh, and then when you sleep, uh, you get to apply all of your XP that you gathered throughout the day through either just killing random dudes or harvesting the NPCs. Uh, and I found that like one, one, of, my, one of my saves got borked really early on. Uh, so be careful of bugs. That's another thing. Uh, I was like in the main story and, uh, one of the cutscenes wouldn't trigger. And because of that, I had to replay the game again from the very beginning. Uh, but I wasn't that far in, so I, I didn't super care. I just hope that I don't run into it again when I get to there again. I haven't gotten to there again yet because I've been doing a lot of wandering around and doing other stuff. Uh, but I'm getting off track. <laughs> I, I went on a tangent there. Violence, violence can spiral <laughs> out of control is a theme of this game. And it is enforced by, like, when you kill NPCs, uh, the region becomes a little bit more unstable. I tried to make the city burn on the save that was uh, borked, but because the quest that was borked was a main save quest, I could not progress in the story, which means I couldn't raise my mesmer level which means the only people that I could actually find to kill in my evil person playthrough of the Borked save were, like, just some low-level drunk people and, like, just some people that just didn't even matter. Like, one guy who just basically wanted to die, and that was it. And, and like, I couldn't get anyone else to kill them, and uh, that just kind of sucked. So my verdict for this game, uh, be careful of bugs, but... God, this game has a really cool thing going for it with the city management stuff. And I, God, I didn't even mention because the Spanish flu thing is going on. It has this whole air of like an epidemic is going on, both with vampires and the Spanish flu. And there's just something that is really pertinent about that 
to today because they're suffering from the 100 year virus a virus happens every 100 years scientists generally say just because of our, our city and population sizes and so 100 years ago they were dealing with the spanish flu where today we're dealing with coronavirus and just to see the, the the signs that say like wear a mask stay indoors try not to like you know it's basically like socially distanced but they're not saying those words exactly because it was a different time uh, and it's just so fascinating to see how people are responding like like one guy is like well uh i'm just gonna get more guns because uh i think that's the way i solve all my problems really <laughs> people never change yeah yeah it's good at portraying that aspect of uh how many different people react to epidemics sounds like it does a great job drawing parallels to the current like state of things and the way the world is oh yeah i mean it i definitely don't think that it, it intended to do that because it was released a while ago uh way before all of this was happening but just in happenstance so much of this game is so relevant to right now so uh i just have that to say about the game i haven't finished it i will play a lot more of it i think actually in the future because i'm actually super digging it well you know what game did intend to draw parallels to the modern world tell me a game that was released this year Ooh. a game called through the darkest of times oh. by paint bucket games oh no more i can't oh. take it this game was phenomenal, all right? This is a, it's a historical strategy game that involves, like, you get, you get members of your resistance and you assign them to, like, different roles and different things throughout the, the resistance of World War II. Uh, you have them do things like collect donations or recruit more people to the resistance or things like blowing, uh, getting the, the materials to make a bomb to blow up the gates to the Olympics to send a message to the outside world that Germany's not the place it's pretending to be. Um, like all kinds of really cool shit. That that's what the central focus of the gameplay is. Is it's it's as simple as like assigning people to do jobs. Uh, but this game is phenomenal. Like fu fucking nominal. Um, the the developers did such a great job with showing the parallels of like the rise of fascism in Nazi Germany to the state of the world around us today. There was one point in time where I like I lost my shit. I like got out of my chair screaming because <laughs> <laughs> the motherfuckers print a headline and the headline <sighs> is like Hitler promises to make Germany great again and all the like citizens are all like everything we're doing is great and Germany is in such a better place than it was before and like well, we don't really see what's happening to the Jews. So so it doesn't matter. Germany's a great place again. Uh, it's it's just so great the way the developers used modern language and ideas and and blended them in with this historical event to show us the way like the past that occurred and the way things are actively repeating themselves in the world today. You know, the, the language has changed, but the ideas and concepts and rhetoric have not. And so the developers did such a great job pulling in modern rhetoric with old-fashioned headlines and accurate information about the world and what happened in the war that it's it's impossible not to see the parallels if you play this game. Yeah, like, while watching you stream this game, I kept looking up information about the game. Like, there's no way that they, they really, like, 
like there was something like anti-fascist killed from a protest or something along those lines yeah uh, they, they did the same thing in nazi germany like the headlines were things that like the communists are being arrested and persecuted for their anti-fascist beliefs or like anti-fascism is on a rise so the the ss are raiding and arresting anti-fascist uh headquarters so like I went up and, and looked that up and it's like it's all true. Like that all that really happened and, and I was like, Oh, okay, I guess the people against anti fascism would be fascists, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And one of the things that I, I absolutely loved and, and seeing and talking about in this game was the idea of communism and the communist and socialist parties and the way they were demonized by the German regime, even though like a lot of people think, oh, Nazi Germany, it was a socialist place and they ran under a socialist platform. But what they show you in the game and something that when you look it up, you find out to be more true is that like they were arresting and persecuting communists because they spoke out against the the Nazi party. Mm hmm. And I just love this stark, real depiction of exactly what happened. No looking away from the negative aspects, just embracing the entire period of history from a, a completely realistic perspective. Yeah, it was so real, and the game felt terrifying because, like, you as a player know what knows what happens through all of this. Like, you know the results of the war. You know what's going on. You, you see these headlines, and you recognize things like the first labor camp that was introduced. And it's like, well, that's a concentration camp. We all know it's a concentration camp. That's mm -hmm. what those became. That's what those were designed to be. But you, you get this headline that's like, Hitler opens the first labor camp to to send the gypsies away from our city and everyone's like super on board with this because like fuck the gypsies they've been all up in our city like homeless and taking over our shit and so like it just it's it's amazing the parallels that are fucking oh and, and just like i mean the the craziest thing about like our history and in, in nazi germany is how like much of nazi germany like their their policies were modeled after american policies like with the native americans and stuff like that yeah that's like hitler idolized america and like they took american policies and used them and that like that's the thing that's so incredible to see is that like the policies may have stopped for Germany, but we still see them going on today in America. Like, we still have ICE detention facilities. Like, that is baffling. We have, we have essentially a form of concentration camps that still exist for illegal immigrants, which is just insane. We, we don't gas them anymore, but it's still the same concept and applied the same sort of ways. Death through disease is honestly how most people died in the Holocaust before the actual death camps were introduced. And the fact that, you know, we have a massive disease raging our prison populations and, you know, it's we're all trying to lock up immigrants and stuff like that. We're literally trying to orchestrate a genocide. But it's like, oopsie, we didn't mean it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really troubling. But. It, it it seems so important to play right now. Oh, 100%. This game is absolutely pertinent to play right now. And that's, when I was playing the game, I was so shocked to see it, how beautifully the parallels were made. I thought this game came out in like 2018 or 2016 or something. And I was like, oh, so I looked it up and no, this shit came out in like March. That's like, that is how <laughs> pertinent the developers wanted it to be. Like, this is talking about 
the parallels. This game is deliberately showing us the parallels and talking about the changes and and the way the rhetoric has subtly changed, but the idea of Nazi Germany and the, the, the rise of fascism can be seen, not just in America, but on all sorts of places in the world today. Like, you have to look back at history to be able to understand the present, I feel like, because eventually we will be looking back at the present with a historical lens, and, you know, if you just do yep. it right now. And and one thing that I really loved about the conversation in the game is when the, the Olympics were at Berlin, and, like, the whole idea of, at that point in time, Germany stopped most of its practices, like, with with rounding up the Jews and concentration camps and segregation and stuff like that, so that the outside world would perceive them as not doing these things. You know, you had all these tourists coming in that would see, oh, Germany's great. I, I hung out at a bar with a Jew, so everything people are saying must be lies. And then they'd go back home and print newspaper articles and headlines and stuff saying, nah, Germany's fine. Like, we've been lied to. It's all bullshit. Fake news. And it's all propaganda. Yeah, and they even used the term fake news. Like, it was so gold. Ah, 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 fucking hell, man. It's beautiful. You, I, I could go on about this game and the parallels, and, like, you could you could write a thesis about this game and the, and the parallels and what it's talking about and how beautifully blended it is. But, like, the only thing I can say so I don't talk about it for hours is, is just play this game. Like, Go out and play this game. There's there's no reason this game should not be taught and played in like history classes. God bless Paint Bucket Games for making such a cool game, man. Yeah, like, oh, you you cannot sleep on this. Like, even if you're in a coma, get this game. Yeah, for sure. Luckily, uh, in the next game, the coma two, you can actually be in the coma and still play the game. So even if you're you're having that those kind of issues, if you if you know someone who's having those issues, that then you can still play the game. So the Coma Two Vicious Sisters was developed by Devespresso Games, and they are known for the first Coma game, which has been released as the Coma Recut, and also a 2D RPG roguelite called Vambrace Cold Soul, that is like on Switch and Steam. Uh, this is a 2D survival horror game. And if you've never played one of those, it's a run away from the scary person and then hide the game kind of game. Uh, when you hide, you also have to do a QTE. So that's new. Uh... <laughs> uh, QTE is a quick time event for those who don't know. Yeah, oh, I, sh I should definitely explain that. I meant to... to say that because i know that not everybody knows all of the gamer terms and i should be more careful about using them loosey-goosey but uh this game right here is heavily steeped in korean culture uh so if you're into that and into k-horror specifically then there's probably a lot to like here the themes deal with uh family bonds and the pains that are felt echoing from the past into the present you travel through this uh parallel version of the world it's similar to the uh second world in the stranger things universe how there's sort of like this second reality that's just like our own but maybe some part of our subconscious is like teleported there uh or, or there's some way that we can access it through you know going through some sort of means in this game how how you go through and access the world is you basically go into a coma 
And it seems to be that anybody who is in a coma gets transported to this world, but only people of a certain bloodline, like a shamanistic bloodline, are able to keep their identity maintained within this sort of second parallel world instead of uh, going a little bit, not necessarily crazy, but not necessarily knowing who they are anymore. And that aspect, you, you kind of have to like remind them. And throughout the game, there's like a best friend character who you keep finding who uh, you don't know exactly what's going on with her. And throughout the game, you have to sort of remind her exactly how you met. And you find out more about the struggles that she's going through in her real life. And you sort of start to realize that the the coma that she's in is not like just a personal thing that's her own thing, but it's like a shared universe that everyone in the city is participating in. Uh, and so the city, Songrung, uh, a specific region of Korea, you even get to go to a school that's like being bombed by artillery shells back in time. And you get to feel the pain of, of the grief of these events of, of scandals happening in the school and in the police department and, and the bombs being hit and, and, and people suffering from the, the pain of war. Uh, then you have all of those pains kind of coming back and taking the form of this being called the Vicious Sister. There's a lot more lore in the game, but uh, to be honest, I don't, I didn't grab all of it. I didn't read all of it because this is one of those games where it has a lot of critical lore inside of the notes in the game, which I don't know if I should put a spoiler in at some point, but I don't know. <laughs> you can go, you can figure it out if you wanted to skip it. Uh, there are timestamps in the doobly thing. Uh, the doobly thing is the the comments below the link the the description. That's what it's called. Yeah, the doobly thing. So was it worth it? Hold on, I had to kind of go back. I, I wanted to go over my notes here. I'm gonna edit this part a little bit. Uh, the sound design I wanted to mention is very good in this game. Uh, there are some legitimately good scary moments that come from hearing the sound of the vicious sister coming like a little bit off screen. You hear like the sounds of her heels click clacking. And there's one really good clip of me on Twitch listening and hearing and waiting and then going like, she's gone. Now I got to get back to the study room and get the hell out of Dodge. She passed. She's right there. I swear to God, this fucking game. Uh, there's also one part of the game that I got stuck on for a long ass time because I just couldn't figure out the controls and the game wouldn't tell me. So if you ever reach this part of the game uh, and you get a spectral match and you don't know what button to light it on keyboard, it's T. Press T. It's caused me considerable pain. Anyway, I had a good time with this game. It spooked me a little bit. The story was good. Uh, but the long-ass notes and the running away centric gameplay, it doesn't really get me too boned. It doesn't, doesn't make me go crazy. Uh, like, I'm sure you were crazy for Genesis Alpha 1, am I right? Yo, we love a good game about colonization. Hell yeah! That's what I'm talking uh, about! This game is, this is gonna be a super short and sweet one, because there's, oh. there's... Uh, Genesis Alpha 1 was made by Radiation Blue, who has made no other games. This is a base-building, first-person shooter, horde, survival, roguelike 
and that's a lot because that this game is doing a lot. Like there is there's a base building aspect where you like build and maintain your base. You drop down modules for like food and for like cloning systems so you can make more people that can then work at the base. And you have like a harvester so you can go down to planets and get the materials. And you have uh, another form of a harvester that pulls up debris from space stations. <laughs> and uh, th there's a lot going. You have a weapons manufacturing thing and a, an alien research lab. Like there's it's a whole ass base building game and but it's really focused on resource management and it, it's really interesting because these like these themes of colonization and like human exploitation like actively play a role in this game because what you're doing is you're in this like giant galaxy with a bunch of randomly generated uh planets and stuff and you just you drop down to a planet you pull out all of its resources it's even great because it, it tells you you're exploiting the resources it's like a hundred percent resources exploited and then you just more resources. <laughs> yeah. And so you get like all the iron you need to build a bigger base. And then you just fly off to other sto solar systems and like, just ignore all this like fucking colonization and like farming you've done on these planets so that you could get all of their resources to continue to build your like utopia Genesis alpha base. Off so to conquer more lands. Exactly. Like that's what it all is, is like the whole theme and idea of the game is that like humans used up all the resources on earth so we made hyperspeed so that we could like go to the stars and continue to live and then all you're doing in the stars is just like exploiting all these resources on other planets so you can build a bigger base with more people like <laughs> uh it's it's super cool it's an interesting game and it's doing a lot like a lot more than you would expect a a single game to be doing like if it was just a base builder or just a, a roguelike or just like a horde survival game you you would you, the game would probably really shine but it, because it's doing so much and it, it, it kind of loses a lot of value but i also can't imagine a world where this game isn't trying to do so much because of the themes it's talking about so yeah, it's 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 a great game. Um, it doesn't do anything phenomenal, but it combines a lot of ideas in a way I haven't really seen before. So check it out if if you're into deck building, rogue like horde survival, exploitation, resource management games. Gosh, that is so many things. <laughs> I, I is there any reason why you would want to go back to this specific game rather than any other game? Um. See, and that's the thing is, like, if I want to play a Horde survival game, I'm probably going to play, like, Killing Floor. If I want to play a base-building game, then I'll probably play something else, you know? If I want to play, like, a an exploration space game, I'll probably play, like, FTL or something. Like, there, there's, there, it doesn't do anything phenomenal that makes me want to come back to it, but because of everything it's doing, it has a lot of potential, and, like, I want to support the developers and see what their next game might be building off of this idea now that they have the core mechanics in place. Hell yeah, my dude. Okay. That's it. So, yeah, that's it then. All right. Catch you next week. Or next yeah. month. Later. Alright, so we have oh, some extras. Booth, a dystopian adventure developed by Gungping Cheng, wears its paper, please, inspiration proudly works the 12 a.m., 8 a.m. shift as the health and sanitation inspector in the Jesus year 2036, Christ. when almost all food is gone or poisoned, Don't. and the only job Are you doing my thing for me? You can't do my thing for me. That's Survive not right. Day, That's not kosher. That's not Gucci. Pace of the factory that, line work, and there are harsh stop. penalties for letting the bad product stop. go through. I can't stop you. I can't stop him.
Those were David's notes word for word. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, the next game on the list here is Vikings, Wolves, and We're Midgard. on to the extras. We're on to the extras. <laughs> <laughs> That was a fucking wild segment. Okay, uh, yeah, we, we are on to our, our extra segment where there are extras that they give you that you get regardless of what games you choose. Although, actually, this month, uh, they did a weird thing where you actually get every single game if you subscribe. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, probably mentioned that at some point. Decent yeah. bundle to get everything from. Not the best one in the world, but... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good little things here and there. Uh, I'd say that it was a good one to get everything from because I wouldn't say that there was anything that was negative, like, super bad, you know? Uh, I agree. But Booth was our first game here. It is called uh, Booth, a dystopian adventure on Steam. I mentioned that because the, the search analytics for this game are so bad. Booth game comes up with like a million other things and just Booth comes up with like so much other stuff. So uh, not, not easy to uh, break, I think, the search analytics for this game. But regardless, uh, I think that this is one that you should definitely check out. It is developed by... Uh, a single person named Guanpeng Chen, and they they liked us, and re and that was cool on on Twitter. So thank you for that. Uh, this game wears its papers please inspiration proudly. There's even like a reference to Arstotska on a world map you can get. But basically, you work the 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. shift as a health and sanitation inspector uh, in the year 2036, when almost all of the food is gone or poisoned, and the only job available is this booth out in the middle of fucking nowhere so you survive every day desperately trying to keep up with the pace of factory line work and there are harsh penalties for getting a bad product or letting a bad product go through so it does the same sort of thing where you're trying to uh get as many people through as possible but you're also trying to not be uh in where in papers please it was like you're trying not to be unfair to people trying to cross a border in this game it's more like you're trying to uh, let products go through that might or might not be unsanitary for people. And the game strikes a balance where it's sort of telling this narrative about, like, well, uh, like, what's more important, like, you know, uh, quality or uh, quantity, and you have to sort of make these decisions while you're playing the game. Uh, and there's also the ability that you get at one point to just steal from the product line. Hell yeah. And... There, there are other things that you get to do where you get to, like, kind of break the system a little bit. Because this game uh, is all about trying to slowly unfold the plot through whatever small devices that you can. Whether it's through the delivery people coming to you every day to sort of give you food at the end of the day. Trying to get a little bit of information out of them. Trying to, like, smuggle something out through them or... Uh, eventually, like, you get to harbor, a, like, a, a person, like a, like a smuggler, uh, a person who's trying, a refugee is the word that I'm trying to come up with. And, again, you can also steal, and there are these things that, like, the resistance really wants you to steal, uh, these, like, black little dots that seem to be, like, maybe seeds to, like, produce food, because this is a world where it seems like no one even knows where food comes from anymore. And you just see it in, like, a factory line come through. And it, it tells a story also about, like, the excesses of capitalism and, like, sort of how they are wrung dry as workers. And they're trapped in literally a prison uh, up in the sky that they can't escape from. But it's just a job that they're working, like, a nine-to-five sort of deal. 
there are uh, several different events that happen throughout the game that are pretty cool. Like Thanks Starving is this big thing that happens where you have to save up a bunch of food for an entire week where delivery truck drivers will just be completely unavailable and you have to rely on refrigerated goods. So it's sort of like this nationalistic thing where like everything's shutting down for the sake of the country and for patriotism. And also you have to, uh, you know, preserve as much food as you can while you're watching all of this food go by on the production line that you could easily swipe and take and eat yourselves. But it's all about managing how much Big Brother sees and how much Big Brother knows that you, you care about the resistance because they're always watching and they can always tell what you're doing. And in the tutorial, it says everything has a weight. Weigh the two, health and wealth, give me what weighs most. And in a lot of ways, the whole game is about that sort of balance of of trying to help the people and and trying to live for something larger than yourself while also trying to work within a system that heavily punishes and scrutinizes you for acting out uh i didn't get past a certain point in the game i got stuck in like chapter two uh because i i honestly couldn't figure out why it's honestly kind of hard to tell um and that's why i think that it would be really good to get this on Steam instead of just playing the extra version that comes with the Humble Monthly. Uh, the Steam version has a visual novel version of the game where you can just skip all of the uh, canning segments if you want, which is really helpful because they can be super stressful on repeat playthroughs. And it also gives you achievements so you can track your progress and see how many endings you actually have, which you can't tell within the game normally. Oh, shit. Uh, so I feel like that's actually essential. <laughs> But otherwise, honest to God, really fucking good game. Go wishlist it on Steam. Go buy it right now. It's worth it to support this developer because uh, this is not going to be a game that seems like it's getting any recognition whatsoever. Uh, so literally, if you're listening to this, go check it out. If you like Papers, Please, you will guaranteed enjoy this game. Uh, yeah, so the next game was not... Uh, this at all it was something completely different it was multiplayer tell me a little bit about it uh would you john uh the next game was vikings wolves of midgard a game developed by games farm and published by calypso the same guys who did tropico and railway empire uh it is an arpg in the vein of torchlight and diablo and i'm just reading david's notes right now uh, it had <laughs> permadeath in valhalla mode uh, but to talk about the game a little bit, it's it's an interesting look at, like, Norse mythology. And, you know, you, you start the game devoting yourself to a god, basically, who imbues you with powers. And as long as you're using the weapons associated with the god, you have access to their powers. So it does a lot of really interesting things that some of the other ARPGs aren't doing. Like, there's there's sort of, like, resource management in that, like, you can freeze to death if you're not near a fire for long enough. And... It, it really little interesting things like that that I, I enjoyed about the game, but for the most part, it's a it's another like stock ARPG game. You know, if if you enjoy the games of Torchlight and Diablo and those style games, there there's no reason you wouldn't enjoy this game. It was remarkably fun to play casually. I'll, I'll say that it doesn't seem like it has the most depth compared to some other games. We were doing a lot of basic attacks and dodging for a long time. The leveling uh, system is a lot slower than you would expect. Like, we played for probably two or three hours and only got to level four? Yeah, and only unlocked, like, two abilities max. Yeah, so they really expect you to commit the time to it. And at, like, level one, we got level 28 gear to drop, which was wild. Yeah, uh, 
so I think that it seems like it might be fun if you're willing to devote some time to it and you have a buddy to play with because it seems like the kind of game that you can play while just having a conversation about something else. I was Absolutely. definitely doing that while I was in a Discord call with other people. Uh, <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with it, uh, even just playing on my own. But I also think that there's a lot of other better versions of this exact type of game that you can also play. Yeah, it really depends on what you're looking for in in this kind of game. Like Diablo, Diablo is the dopamine fix of these games where every single enemy drops 40 pieces of loot, so like you're constantly being rewarded. While this game was a little bit slower and more methodical, it it felt like playing a um I I don't want to use this term in the sense of like gameplay, but in the sense of like uh world building and style, it was like a Dark Souls version of of Diablo. Hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, in 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 the sense that like D- Diablo is is a dopamine factory. Like if I compared Diablo to Destiny, you'd understand like the way the loot drops and the way the mechanics work and everything. But mm. this played more in the vein of like Dark Souls where like a few enemies along your path dropped some things every once in a while, but mostly you were getting like one piece of very good gear when you defeated a boss of a zone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the bosses themselves were actually pretty difficult to defeat. So there was like an element of, uh, like, Jesus, can you hear that? Oh, they're racing. God, there's fucking zoomers out there, dude. They're fucking going, zooming. What the fuck was I even saying? He zoomed my fucking memory up. (laughs) The bosses were, were actually kind of difficult. It wasn't just like mashing a button and killing them. Yeah, they they actually took a little bit of doing and a little bit of grinding, and then they actually felt like a little bit of a reward when you defeated them because it was like yes, oh, got him. Yeah, it, uh, it felt like it felt like playing Diablo through your first playthrough almost, like in that sense that like you are underpowered when you first get into the bosses. Definitely, definitely. So for that reason, and if you like the the theming as well of Vikings, which is a cool theme, then you might oh, like yeah. this one. All right. Well, you want to talk about Wildfire Sneak Peek? Sure thing. A Wildfire Sneak Peek uh, is not related to all of the wildfires going on nationally right now and the poor air quality that we are receiving basically everywhere. Uh, it's actually a fun game developed by Sneaky Bastards, published by Humble Games, that I was really impressed with. It is this 2D elemental uh, stealth action game. If you've ever played Mark of the Ninja, it's similar to that. Uh, but you start out manipulating fire like a freaking firebender, and there's a whole bunch of elemental magic stuff. So you discover your powers while being burned at the stake right at the very beginning. That's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. It's metal as fuck, dude. It's super cool. Uh, eventually, you unlock fire, water, and earth-related abilities, uh, and you can hold basically any element or item but they won't allow you to hide in bushes while you're doing that, so you kind of have to manage whether or not you want to have an ability or you want to uh, be more stealthy. And you can carry and toss fireballs, uh, all the different elements and stuff. You can also do it in co-op or single player. So at any point, you could just have somebody jump in and play as a second person, which is super fun and cool. And makes me wish this game was on Steam, but it is not. Or sorry, not on Steam. On Switch, but it is not. It is on Steam only currently. Uh, things that burn can no longer be used, uh, such as doors and hiding places, restraints on hostages. They, those actually need to be burned uh, before you can rescue them. 
and fires also spread and enemies run from fire so you can kind of manipulate the enemy ai that way uh water can be used to make bubbles that like float upwards and extinguish fires you can also harness the power of ice uh, the demo didn't really get to the earth part of it yet, but it seems like you can create plants to burn them and create like Rube Goldberg's machines. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and because each level also has optional clear missions or clear conditions that give you uh, upgrade points if you succeed, such as like no kill, no detection runs, all hostages rescued, that kind of thing. Uh, then it has a lot of replay value for each of the individual levels. So you're trying to get each of the different uh, challenge points. I would say that this is a good game to check out if you're in the market for a really well-crafted stealth co-op adventure. Uh, yeah, it's very satisfying. I hope that they release this on Switch. Hell yeah. Zodiac XX is our next one. I'm just going to jump right into this one too uh, because I also checked this one out because Johnny was having some troubles getting it going. And you might as well because uh, a gamepad is required to play this game. No keyboard support whatsoever. So just know that going in. This is a Humble original that is currently only accessible via the Humble Trove, uh, developed by Virtuoso Neo Media. They did like a bunch of itch.io games. They're not really super well known at this point. They seem uh, a little bit more underground. Uh, this might be one of their first kind of major releases. Uh, but this game requires, or no, I already said that. This game is uh, an aerial combat game where you play a sort of troop of Star Fox type anime inspired characters using submarines to fight against fascism it's super fun uh there's a couple different partners that you can choose from at the beginning as well as different ship types that vary in like armor and speed and uh different sort of uses in the field the story doesn't really uh press you very much if you don't want to read it you don't really have to uh the game's controls take a little while to get used to also there are two versions of it, like a more accessible version and like an expert version. I tried the expert version first and then the simple version second, and I couldn't tell which I liked more. I just used the simple version because it seemed to be a little bit easier. Uh, but they seemed almost identical, honestly, except for being a little bit more fidgety on the expert one. Uh, it's very fun, though, when, again, once you get to the hang of it. Uh, there's different missions like aerial raids, dropping bombs on people, trench runs in the middle of like the these like really tight corridors uh still there's stealth missions in the game and there's also this segment the that's like dogfighting uh if you've ever played the missions in Star Fox where you have like enemies that are all flying around that you have to uh you know control the segment and then trail them and then shoot them with a homing missile uh it's a lot like that so it's really rad if you like aerial combat games then you will really enjoy this uh i think it is a bit of a gem uh, in the rough, it has some polish that it kind of needs, but there's a lot of fun to be had if you're into these types of games. Hell yeah. All right. So All right. that's Should we it rapid fire through the rest extras. of this? So yeah, let's do it. All right, boom. Uh, game of the month. Mine was absolutely through the darkest of times. No, no contest. Honestly, I kind of want to choose yours as well because I really enjoyed watching the game and seeing you play it. But it just was for phenomenal. The sake, yeah, for sure. Just for the sake of being original, though, I'll say Vampire because I'm really enjoying that game and I want to keep playing it, even though there's glitches. Oh, I, I need you. I need you to editor David something into that I forgot to mention about through the darkest of times. Oh, sure thing. Uh, just mention it right here and then I'll, I'll clip it in. 
uh, so so the thing about the game too that's really cool is that like as you're playing through it and you know how history develops and you're struggling to get through this game, what I found out later is that you can actually change history in this game. It's not it's not meant to be a one for one historical recount, and there there are ways that you can actually divert the course of history by playing this game. And so, but but it feels like at the time, it feels so hopeless while you're playing it because you realize how hard it is to actually change and make an impact on things with just your small little resistance group. There's only so much that you can do with so little resources. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I honestly, I might not even edit it out. It might just be perfect <laughs> as it is. <laughs> um, well, currently, uh, what else am I playing right now? I've mostly been playing the bundle games for the podcast, but I've been playing Hyperscape yeah. and Rogue Company in between things. Uh, literally all of the games that I've been playing are Humble Bundle related. Uh, I'm going to be playing a lot of retro stuff soon. I plan on playing Sin and Punishment, and also I want to do a playthrough of Pikmin 2. So if you want to join me on that journey, follow me on Backstab, uh, my Twitch channel. Hell yeah. But I also did a little bit of Sea of Thieves. That was the only thing that I did other than the bundle. Swiggity. Uh, this month's charity is Heifer International. Uh, heifer meaning like cow. Oh. Uh, we, they, their mission statement from their website is, We work in 21 countries around the world alongside local farmers and business owners. We support farms and their communities as they mobilize and envision their futures, provide training so that they can improve the quality of the goods they produce and connections to market to increase the sales and incomes. So not only do they help provide food to like certain areas, they also help them actually establish markets and farms and, and improve the quality of what they're doing so that they can actually establish a market to, to sell trade and buy the, the food that they're producing. So I like literally never pay attention to the charities. Yeah. I feel bad for that. I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> well, that's why we mention it. Yeah, I don't know, just like, as you were reading that, I just felt astounded, because I was like, man, I just, like, feel good usually about buying these, because I'm supporting some charity, but, like, I don't even, like, think about which charity. Man, I'm going to, <laughs> the, my money's going to the cows to the, today, you know what I mean? Like, hell, hell yeah. yeah! We're helping countries make farms! Hell yeah! Fuck, dude, that's so cool. I'm really happy about that. Alright, you want to slam through our questions? Final little segment here. Uh, we have a listener question bit that we had last time. Uh, we asked you guys, what virtual world would you want to exist in and why? And you guys gave us a bunch of responses on our Reddit giveaways. Uh, those are banned. They're banned completely. No more. We can't have yeah, them. Yeah, we, we apparently Humble has clarified their language and you're not allowed to do giveaways to total strangers. So from now on out, we will be doing giveaways to our close friends on our Discord channel. Yeah, so if you uh, want to become one of our close friends and become one of the bourgeoisie, then uh, let us know and maybe we'll slip you a free game. All right, that's in our Discord. Uh, but... The last month's response is, what, would you, what virtual world would you want to exist in and why? Uh, and we have some responses here. I would like to live in the Gal Gun world, because you know unlimited people to love you. Shiro Jime. Thank you, that. Uh, Squirrel Molesta said, I'd like to visit the Egypt of Assassin's Creed Origins. Don't know who <laughs> did this one. 
but they said, hmm, I would live in the world of Stardew Valley. It's pretty chill there. Unless a lot of people right. did Stardew Valley, and that's why I left it unattributed. Oh, I see. Uh, Sticky Boobs said, I'm going to read this in, in the voice that I imagine it, all right? So Sticky Boobs said, I would like to go to a world where not safe for work is everywhere. There will be no one wearing clothing. <laughs> I love sticky boobs. I hope we get to see more sticky boobs in the future. Oh, what a champion. Sticky boobs, please join our Discord. Uh, the next one here, let me get into a Final Fantasy world and start a Chocobo Ranch. That was Apprehensive Castaway. That's such a wholesome answer. I love that so much. That is such just like a nice, cute answer. I like that. Uh, and then uh, the only virtual world I would want to be stuck in is Hyrule, and I'm the only male uh, guru there. Gerudo. Gerudo, thank you. The, I included... You did not put a space there, so. Yeah, well, he didn't put a space there either, so that was his own fault. So, uh, yeah, the virtual world of Hyrule, and he's the only male Gerudo there, and that's um, am, uh, uh, that's Amukid. I included that because he's literally asking to be Ganon. He's asking to be the bad guy. <laughs> he's literally asking to have a whole quest put against him. And he thinks that that's like a cool vacation against our normal reality. Like he wants to live there as the villain. <laughs> okay, guy. Okay. Uh, anyway. So our, our question for you to ruminate on for this next month until next month's episode, uh, and feel free to respond to it in the Proly Pals or show discussion in, in the Discord, is uh, what historical moment would you want to play through in a video game? So, like, this week we had World War II with Through the Darkest of Times, and we've explored a couple other historical moments. So, like, what what moment would you want to live through and play as a game? Yeah, 100 years ago in the Spanish flu times in London was just such yeah. a fascinating period of history that like, I feel like is kind of underexplored. World War I for a long time was like that too, so I'd like to hear more. I already know what my answer to this would be too, so I'm going to just say it now, and you can give oh. us yours next month. Oh, please, please. I would want to live through and play the building of the Great Wall of China. Like, the building of it from, like, a simulation management perspective? Yeah, and, like, all that went on behind it with, like, the Mongolians and stuff and sort of, like, that whole the oh. whole era around that and why it was built and everything, so. That would be fascinating, especially because, like, if I remember correctly the history of the Great Wall of China, I don't know for sure if they even completed it or if they did, then, like, it was constantly besieged by the Mongols. Uh, Editor David will come in to clarify, I'm sure, if there's any in inconsistencies. But... <laughs> Editor David here with some Great Wall of China fun facts courtesy of TutorMing.com. Thank you very much. Turns out it has a very rich and varied history spanning over 2,000 years. Though the first section took only around 20 years to complete during the Qing Dynasty, many sections were added, connected, and also had to be repaired over the many different dynasties that it survived. Uh, it stopped most, but definitely not all, of the nomadic invaders that came by, and it did little to stop the Manchu invasion that went through the Shanghai Pass that led to the fall of the Ming Dynasty. This is a very cool time period for a game. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that'd be my moment I'd want to play through. Hell yeah. All right, we did it. Uh, the, the, the second episode of these weeks will probably be a little bit longer just because we're discussing the extras and everything. Um, who knows? We might. We'll, we'll play with it. We'll figure it out. This is a new way of formatting this, so hopefully it's working out for you guys. I like this format better, I think. I really dig this format, too. I prefer having a little bit of space in between the first couple of games and these games. It makes the show a little bit shorter, makes the recording session a little bit more painless. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, please donate to our Patreon. We're poor. <laughs> we we you don't have to we we're all poor i get it these are nah, weird well, times but it's like, like the demanding it, money from people in the middle of coronavirus feels like such a fucking like putting a gun up to somebody who's like about to die like <laughs> but i i do want to say i do want to say our patreon is structured a little bit differently in that it is designed to be a pledge to make more content for you guys just because like we we have limited time right now and we're we're mostly doing this on like our free time that we you know we have because we love it and and we want to talk about these games um but if if people start pledging to our patreon even one person then we will take that as a as a as a commitment from the community too for us to expand our content and give you guys more than just these podcasts absolutely so make sure to uh donate all of your money to us so we can make new content and actually maybe turn this into something uh bigger than what it is already yeah uh, and and we're we're both streaming now. David on his personal cha- channel, backstab me on my personal channel, Gafocker, and on the Bundle Bourgeoisie channel twice a week too, at least. So, go check those out. Yeah, we'll try to pop in there. Yeah, uh, like us on Twitter, follow us, whatever. Uh, do the Discord thing. D- I I cannot stress join the Discord if you're interested in giveaways because we 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 cannot do them outside of a closed group of friends anymore. Otherwise, our accounts can get banned. Like, like they were banning yeah. people for this. So, we have no idea what to do for marketing now. We are in the dark. So, if you are a marketing guru and an expert, then please let us know. But otherwise, that has been our show today. Thank you very much. My name is Mark. And and tell your friends about the podcast because we aren't like actively advertising this. So, if you have friends that are interested in the podcast or the humble bundle or some of the games or giveaways, like get your friends on board and get them to join the Discord too, because that's where things will happen from now on. Yes, the stream callouts, the giveaways, everything will be happening on our Discord and Twitter. You have to go there. Please do it. Uh, what else? Is that it? I mean, we we've been rambling for like 5 minutes on this outro. No, no it's already cut actually. Oh, has it already cut? Maybe. Okay. I'm just playing games with you now. Oh no. I don't know when things end and when things begin. Oh gosh, I can't handle this kind of pressure. Please, no, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs>